0: Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We come by faith. We come with boldness. We come by the boldness that the blood of Jesus gives us. The blood, the blood, the blood of Jesus. We come through the blood and we speak the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus against the powers of darkness. For your word says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of Of their testimony we speak the blood the blood the blood satan and your cohorts the blood of jesus is against you we pray for confusion in the ranks of the enemy let fire of god fall upon every place that is dedicated to the devil and his demons even now right now let the fire of god fall upon all these places which are dedicated to the devil And to his demons who masquerade under different names. But it's the same powers and the principalities that try to captivate the minds of God's people. Let there be confusion in the ranks of the enemy. But in the camp of the Lord, let there be light. Let there be light. In the camp of the Lord, let there be order. In the camp of the Lord, let there be hearing. In the camp of the Lord, let there be life. In the camp of the Lord, let there be victory. And in the camp of the enemy, absolute, total confusion. What we bind on earth is bound in heaven. And what we release on earth is released in heaven. We bind the powers of darkness and we release the people of God. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We stand in the authority of your word. And we lift your word up, Lord. We magnify your word above everything else, Lord. Speak to us even this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, 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 amen. Amen. Let me look at my clock once more. Yes, it's first night, 24 minutes before midnight in one part of the globe. And, uh, okay, it's much more if you go further to Alaska. It's only first 7.30, not even 7.30 in the evening, night. Okay, so it's first night to... I have our different churches logged in over here. Afternoon, 3.30 in Melbourne, all the way in between. We are here, and the Lord of all time. So this morning, first we will look at Joshua chapter 24 and verse 31. <clears throat> Joshua 24 and verse 31. And Then they will go, we'll go from there. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had known all the works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. Israel served the Lord during the period of Joshua and all the elders who were there with Joshua and outlived Joshua. There's a period in time in history, and we're looking at that time in church history, when almost all the well-known leaders of God have passed away to be with the Lord. There are hardly anybody of that caliber left all the big ones you know, who who had a integrity, had a time, unlimited ministry for years and years. And if you look at that, a generation has almost passed away. But a generation of leaders passes away, but the battle never finishes. Every generation has to fight their battles. Okay, Even as we fight our battles, we need to remember we are fighting our battles, but the war is over. War is over. Okay, the war is over. In the world, please don't misunderstand. In the world, or uh, we need to understand through the lens of Scripture. In the world, you will see the wicked, the unredeemed, winning battles after battles after battles, but they have lost the war. They have lost the war. Okay. If you look at the beginning of the first few years, quite a long period of the Second World War, it's like, unstoppable hitler was unstoppable he just crushed nations he just his army just rolled over europe it looked like he was winning every battle but he did not know he would lose the war and he himself would commit suicide okay and it's the same way in the world when we look around the world it looks like wickedness is flourishing and the wicked are flourishing it looks like they're winning all the battles but you know what they have already lost the war in our case, we will be wondering, why am I struggling so much? Every day is a battle. But remember, we have already won the war. We already won the war. Okay, So that's how we have to see. So our battles are not, it may look similar outwardly, but it is absolutely different inwardly. The battles we fight may look not the same, I may look the same outwardly, but internally it is a completely different battle. So... The leaders are dead, but the battle continues. In Judges chapter 1, verses 1 to 2. 1 and 2. Now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass. The children of Israel asked the Lord, say, Who shall be the first to go up for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Indeed, I have delivered the land into his hand. So the battle for possession continues. Okay, we have to fight. Remember Old Testament. Remember the two verses we have in the New Covenant, in Corinthians ten eleven, and uh, Romans, why the Scripture is given. Yeah. Okay. Corinthians. All these things happen to them. Who is them? That is Israel. All these things happen to Israel as examples for us. For whom? For us. So that we may learn it's written for administration. see one of the fundamental mistakes a church has made modern day church has made is one they don't study and teach the old testament okay or if they teach they literally take the promises connected with material prosperity and apply it in the new covenant so either they don't teach or they goof it up okay Instead of looking into the Old Testament has patterns of how God works in the lives of people, because we need the letter of the law so that we understand the spirit of the Lord, seeing how God's ways with his people, because God never changes. He's the same from Adam till eternity. He's always the same. So when we see how he works in the lives of the people in the Old Testament, because we hardly have history in the New Testament. It's all doctrine. But we look the history in the New Old Testament, we understand how God God works. So when we hear war and battle in the Old Testament, New Testament is very clear. We fight, we do not fight flesh and blood. Our battles are spiritual. So Old Testament, again, New Testament, Romans 15, 4 says, whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience, and the comfort of scriptures might have hope. So we look in the Old Testament today, we're looking at Judges chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, we look at them going into battle, and we are learning in our times too, okay, when we do not have gigantic figures in the church to lead us, to lead us. Look at the people who have died, I mean personally just speaking to me, for me, Richard Womberin, David Wilkerson, Derek Prince, Now these were all the giants who framed my life. Okay, men of integrity, men of in-depth knowledge, of and about God. No, and they walk that walk. They may have their own struggles, but they minister to us. But they are all gone. Now we have a new set of leaders. Some are old, some but we don't have any any more giants. We have mega stars, but we don't have giants like in the in the. Old days of kingdom of God, we don't have those people who have depth. So, but the battle continues. Joshua is gone, Moses is gone, Caleb is gone, all these people are gone. And they go to the Lord. Who shall be the first to go up for us against the Canaanites to fight against them is the questions. Okay? So Israel asks, some battles you do not have to ask, should I fight? Some battles you should fight. Only you should ask who should go. Okay. It's not that should I fight or not. You're just asking God, how do I fight? Who goes first? And please understand, our real battles really actually begin after salvation. After we have entered the promised land. We know in Egypt they had no battles. In the wilderness, they had a couple of battles, but the real battles are in the promised land, entering into the, when you are trying to enter into the promises of God, you came out of the world, you're trying to enter into the life that Jesus promises. When you start really advancing into that life, the battle begins. And that's where, and these are the battles to possess, in their case, the promised land, in our case, the promised life. It is an uphill battle. It's not an easy battle because they ask who shall go up. Downhill battles are easy. The wind is behind you. The terrain actually is is to your suiting. The fellow who is down is at a disadvantage. That's why in China, in the sub-030 and, and Indo-China border, 30, 40 minus degrees, there are soldiers staring at each other. But all the peaks on this side, we advanced and took over because you have an advantage if you are at a higher altitude. When you're fighting from down to up, it is not an easy battle, especially in those days. Now, of course, we have aircraft and missiles and all that, but those days, remember. So it says, who shall be the first to go up? So remember, when God is calling us to fight, we are not fighting down, we are fighting up. The call of God is always come up hither. What are we fighting? The life of Christ Jesus is always higher and higher and higher. God is not telling, we are not calling, telling God to come down. Like Abraham told Elias that my son shall not go down. The fight is to go up and the battle is there. You know, in one realm, there are powers of darkness opposing. If Daniel is not praying upwards to hear from God, to get an answer from God, then there is no struggle. The struggle is 21 days. The prince of Persia is resisting him. So we are fighting up. Why is this battle not optional? They don't ask, should be. They only go and ask who should go first. The battle against Canaanites are not optional. It is compulsory. If you go, turn with me to Numbers 33. 50 to 53. Numbers 33, 50 to 53. The Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan, across from Jericho, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you have crossed the Jordan into the land of Canaan, when you have crossed this river into the land of Canaan, then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land before you, destroy all their engraved stones, destroy all their molded images, demolish all their high places. You shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land, dwell in it, for I have given you the land to possess. It's very clear. Disperses and possess. Okay. Disperses and possesses. What is God saying? God is saying, when I have bringing you into the life of Jesus Christ, you have to deal with everything in your old life. Everything in your old life. Completely destroy all your idols of your heart. Destroy all your images. Destroy all your high places. Remember, these are all primarily in our mind. This is the battle of the mind. All this, and not only that, every idea that has inhabited in that life, you have to dispossess it, get rid of it, and then you have to possess it. You have to allow the life of Christ to come in and possess it. The Word of God and the Spirit of God to take complete control. This is the battle. Otherwise, we will ignore all these passages, wondering what is God to do with us. Oh, this is very terrible. What is God talking about? Driving out and killing and possessing. Okay. Oh, this seems like the Palestinian cause. This is. Uh, this is not. That's not what God is talking about. God is now talking about spiritually talking about possessing our souls. That is the salvation of our soul. Joshua chapter 3, verse 10. So understand the battle, why we are fighting the battle. Why is the struggle of the believer different from the struggle of the unbeliever, though it looks same outwardly? Joshua said, by this you shall know that the living God is among you. What is the proof? What is the proof that the Spirit of God is living in you? What is the proof? For a believer. Everybody wants to know, am I saved or not? What is the proof? If you are saved, you have the Spirit of God. If you are a growing Christian, the Spirit of God is growing in you. What is the proof? The proof is that. By this you shall know, the living God is among you. And that he will without fail drive out before you the Canaanites and the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, a few Maritamites and Jacobites too. (laughs) Not all few. Just joking, okay? Okay. But think about it. This is the proof. And every time in the book of Judges, when they, when they took over, it was a time of oppression. The Spirit of God was not moving. Until they cried out and a judge came, the Spirit of God started moving again and they start driving them out. What is the proof? What is the proof? As long as you're living in the slavery of sin and living under that oppression, the Spirit of God will not move. Until you start crying out for deliverance. He will not. There are periods in David's life, the Spirit of God was not. Is he saved? Yes. Is the Spirit of God living in him? No. It's not moving at all. Why? Because he is in enemy territory. He is in the bondage of Akish or slavery or he's in the bondage of sin in Jerusalem. The Spirit of God is not moving at all. But when that is dealt with it, the Spirit of God starts moving again. So this is the proof. We are fighting battles. We are fighting battle. This is what we call the overcoming life. We are fighting principalities, powers, rulers inside. And first thing mentioned over there, who are you going against? The enemy is identified as the Canaanites. Okay, Canaanites are the original inhabitants of Canaan. My old man is the original inhabitant of me. My self-life is the canonite. Okay, canonite. A Canaanite is a trafficker. It's a merchant. Okay? It's a merchant. And God will say, I forgot where he said, no canonite will stand in. Yeah. No Canaanite will ever stand in my assembly, God says. So we need to understand. Flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God. Self-life, yeah. Yeah, in that day, look at Zechariah fourteen twenty-one. In that day, every pot, yes, in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holiness to the Lord. Yesterday we looked at pots, okay, empty pitcher, flame, and uh trumpet, okay. Every pot sh- shall be holiness to the Lord of hosts. Everyone who sacrifices shall come and take them, cook in them. In that day they shall no longer be a Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts. It's at the end. Of the dispensation, Old Testament God is saying. There will be no canonizer, there will be no merchant, no trafficker in the house of God. Okay, that's one of the first acts of Jesus. He gets out and he cleans his house out by saying, my house shall be called a house of prayer, and you shall not do business over here. What is the old man? The old man is a trafficker. He's a businessman, merchant, meaning his entire self-life is based on what is in there for me. Where there is no gain, he is not interested. And the church should be a place of death for the old man. An old man hasn't died in the church. That's why so many people just sit there and do nothing, but they're looking, what is there in for me? There's nothing in there for me. Therefore, I am not. I am not recognized. I don't get anything out of it. I just want to be entertained and leave me alone. Okay, and God will leave you alone. God will leave you alone. The death of self-life. Okay, so believers' life is different in the church, in the home, everywhere. What is our battle? Our battle is with the Canaanite spirit in us. Don't look outside, in us. That is the original fellow. While the new life, the life of Jesus Christ is based on the premises, what can I give here? Remember what Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Okay, Jesus did not come to receive. He gives and then receives a people to himself. For God so loved the world, He gives. So that these two, the devil is a taker, He's a trafficker, He's a merchant, He's a catch canonite. I'm not saying all merchants um, are wrong, no. But if the principle in, in, in trading is only gain and not service, only serve and uh, not service. Only gain. The principal motto is gain. That is one of the bad parts of capitalism. You, we need capitalism which is compassionate. But what you have today, capitalism is entirely engulfed by greed. in, in time, it's like like vultures. It's by greed. Okay, and they're just swallowing up any like Google, any company they see coming up which could be and. Uh, Threat to them in future, they just gobble them up by offering them a price which they cannot refuse. And they just gobble them up because they see forward and say this fellow might grow up and become a competition. But when he is small, they will offer him a price. Just he is just swallowed by the price and they take swallow. So there is no competition. Okay, that's the Canaanite. canonite is always not looking to solve. The canonite is always looking for gain alone. What is there in for me? And you remember, that is how we were born. We are born in sin, shaped in iniquity with the Canaanite spirit and every baby that is born though it is innocent and ignorant it does not look to give it only looks to take that is a conflict The mother faces, the father faces because the father and mother also was a selfish being. And the child opens their eyes up. You cannot look for gain here. This is one entity that has entered into your home. You will only give and that one will give you nothing. And what he or she gives is what does it? The body refuses. What the body does, the only offering the baby gives you is from both ends of its spectrum. Nothing else. If it manages to smile, you may think it is smiling at you. It is not even smiling at you. It is just moving his lips. And God says, it's a lesson for you to learn how to give. Parenting is a very disciplining, uh, very, very disciplining process for a disciple. You give, you give and you give and you give and you give. And you think, okay, once this one starts talking and moving, I will have, it gives you more trouble. Okay, That's why it is said in the Bible, the woman will be saved through childbearing. Understood? What does it mean? It is not that if you give birth to a child, you are saved. That's not what it means. The entire process of parenting was designed by God to save us from our self-life. You don't need a cross. You just need a few children. You don't need a cross. You just need a few children. David did not need a cross. All he needed was his children. Prophet Samuel did not need a cross; he just needed children. Eli, the high priest, did not need a cross at all. His children was enough. Okay, but if you don't know you know how to deal with it, because it's the end of your self life, please understand what God is trying to do with us, and what is that? In the process, we start losing our self life because no Canaanite will stand in the presence of God. So we have to go up to fight. Canaanites. Why up? Because up represents strongholds. Remember, strongholds are always, if you go to Hyderabad, to the Golconda, the fort is not in a plain, it is on the top of the hill. All the forts are at in a high place. Strongholds are always in high places. Strongholds are places which the enemy has established in your mind. How do you know? You touch that, you will see the reaction. You will get offended. You'll get angry. You close the gates up like Jericho. Nobody goes in, nobody goes out. Touch a stronghold, you will know. You have touched a stronghold. People will try to say, I'm very sensitive. No, you're not sensitive. It's a stronghold. The stronghold. Okay. I know. Like when I was a Catholic. When I was a Catholic. I was a Catholic for a long time. And I I was the only Catholic kid in a Protestant school. You couldn't touch two things. In my life, one was the Pope, the other was Mary. With that religious zeal, I brought it into Bible study in the classroom and I topped every exam just to prove them that I was right. But I was wrong. But in the exam, I was right. Because we had one hour Bible study in school and um, in the class and we had to write exams and it went part till class 10, till the board exam. Not in the board exam, but till then it was part of your ranking. And I topped every time. Though I did not know the Lord, nor did I know the Bible. But they touched two strongholds. <laughs> Most people doesn't even know when, I think it was John Paul I, when he died in the 1970s. I think it was Paul or John Paul I died. I pretended I was mourning in school, though I didn't care at all, because I was a very believing Catholic. So these are strongholds. So people are asking why are you sad today? I said the Pope died. I didn't even know who he was. I wasn't even bothered. But this is a stronghold to pretend among all the Protestants. And in the Protestants, one Catholic is mourning. Okay, you're talking about how these strongholds are in the mind. Now you look back, you laugh. What an idiot you were. Right? Do you see, you touch, I mean, when you're talking to Catholics, brethren, you talk to them about Mary. Even if you, I sit with them, I show them from the Catholic Bible what it says about Mary, they're still offended. Strongholds. okay? Or a righteous person, worldly righteous person. You talk to them about the fallacy of putting your trust in good works, finished, they won't hear the gospel anymore. There are strongholds in our mind. It is not easy. It is not easy. Okay, Like for us, me and Pastor Vijay, preaching could be a stronghold now. You tell us the preaching wasn't good, we get offended. Or Peter, what happened today? The anointing wasn't flowing. I'm saying, I'm not saying it is necessarily, but I am saying, I am saying, okay, I am saying. Sammy, can always escape because it's a technical thing. <laughs> Internet is not working, this is low, power was failing, fluctuating. But singing and preaching, you can't escape, it's on you. Because once you identify yourself as a preacher, and somebody touches your preaching, it's a stronghold, okay, it's, it's a stronghold. Okay, that is established. Please understand, everybody has strongholds. It's only when it is touched, we will realize nothing goes out and nothing comes in. We close our minds to the voice of that person who touched you there. And that might be the person God is using to talk to you. Are you getting it? That's a danger. Because the one who offends us, you see, Elijah is the one God is trying to speak to, the king Ahab, and, but Elijah is the one everybody is looking for to kill. But that is the only voice who will speak to you. But everybody is offended by his voice. The king is offended. The royal household is offended. False prophets are offended. Everybody is offended with that voice. But he is the voice through whom God is speaking. So be very, very careful when we get offended. We need to go back and ask, why am I offended? That's why it's uphill fight. These are strongholds the enemy has established. And then there are strongholds which... We overcome and God establishes in our life. Those strongholds are important. God ordains strongholds. Psalm 18, verse 2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength in whom I trust. My shield, my horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Okay. So God also becomes a stronghold. And one of the primary strongholds you have to establish in your life is this: I am saved by grace and grace alone. That's a stronghold you have to establish. I am saved by grace, through faith, and that alone. And second stronghold which goes that faith without works is dead. Two strongholds to be established. I am saved by grace. That comes through faith. It's a gift of God and not a work of man. That no man will work. But genuine faith will always have a work of obedience. Which proves grace is working in my life. That is why we said in the beginning, how do you know the Spirit of God is working in you? Because you will start fighting these things. If you are not fighting these things, then the Spirit of God is dormant in your life. It's not moving. It is not moving. Okay? So these are strongholds, the Lord, that is why, why is David able to pop up every time from a attack, a defeat? How is he able to? Because he knows his stronghold. He knows his stronghold that God is with me and God is for me and I am saved by grace and grace alone. I was not picked because I was smart. I was not smart, saved because I was great. I was not sm- saved because of anything. He Sovereign is sovereignty. It's called the sovereignty of election. He chose me when I was a nobody. Even in my father's house, I was a nobody. He picked me. And if he picked me, he will not leave me. He will not leave me. So this has to be a stronghold. And when we have those strongholds established, which is according to scripture, then we fight the enemy's lies based on that stronghold. When the enemy brings the lies, we are able to reply from the stronghold. But it is written. written. When his lies come, we are able to hold up the shield of faith or close the gates of faith and say, Nope, it is written. You are a lie. Expose his lies. It will not get into my mind. It will stay out. I will not allow it to rent space in my mind. Nahum, chapter 1 and verse 7. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And He knows those who trust Him. Uhusi is a stronghold in the day of trouble. The day of trouble will suddenly come. The day of evil will suddenly come. You don't wait for this day of stronghold to build uh, day of trouble to build a stronghold. You build this stronghold, and when the day of trouble comes, it will automatically cause, close the gates and you will be secure within. You know? And he knows. You need to understand, God knows. This is a spiritual stronghold, God knows who trust in him. Like I said, post-salvation, strongholds of the enemy, of the old man, Canaanite, has to be demolished, and the new ones have to be built. And the real battle we are all fighting is the battle for the mind. The real battle which is being fought out in the world is the battle for minds battle of the mind, personally, and the battle, what are, what are we doing, preaching from here? We are battling for minds. We are trying to preach the word of God, hoping that it will penetrate the fog of darkness and everything else and captivate your mind, because where the mind goes, the body follows. And the entire battle taking place in the world through everything that is spoken, written, or seen. Any media, spoken, written, or seen movies videos is for the mind is for the mind the battle is for the mind and these are all every advertisement is for the mind even if it is for five seconds or 10 seconds or millions they pay just for a 10 second ad or a 15 second ad 50 second ad why after your mind they know if they can grab your mind and then okay and now what has happened We have very little attention span. We no longer use words, we use emojis. Know that? Right? Even I use in the morning. Somebody asks prayer, you say yes, pray. We use emojis. Okay. We have come to a point where we do not have we do not have we do not have the capacity to hold an idea. Because we are being bombarded with ideas. Can we handle an idea? So even when we... But why do we preach so much? It's from the old Malayali mother and the father. The Malayali mother, the Indian mother, actually. You will see all over in Hyderabad in the lanes with the little baby in the hand with this plate on the left and feeding, feeding their fly, their bird, their flower and feeding. One handful goes, two thirds fall down and little goes. The father will ask, why are you feeding it like that? The mother says, when I put in a handful, little goes in. So when we preach for one and a half hours, we hope two minutes goes in. But because it is the word of God, it has the power to work in those who believe. Even if you take only one concept from it, and you believe in it, it has the power to. to. When the world is after you 24-7, how can we reduce the word of god and say okay i will only give you 2 minutes let the world, let the world take the rest of it i can't compete with the world i mean if we are not preaching you are not sitting idle <laughs> it's, it's not that you are doing nothing you are either thinking reading writing listening watching your mind is not idle so i don't understand why people complain only about the word of god being too long and not the other things being too long nobody complains so oh, today's newspaper is only 5 pages Hallelujah. Nobody says everybody says where's the supplement? Where's the supplement? You fight with the paper boy. Because you want eighteen pages. Right? The movie finishes one hour, twenty minutes. Bah, Hindi movies are better. Three hours <laughs> hmm? with sixteen songs and dance in between. Okay. Don't we complain? Think about it. I'm not saying the word should be too long if it doesn't have substance. So we try to bring substance in. Okay, so please understand. So they ask this question in Judges chapter 1. Who shall go first? They ask the Lord. So they are not talking about battle. They have already decided about the battle. Okay. So these are questions those who have decided about the battles and want to fight the spiritual good fight of faith as Paul called. They ask the Lord who shall go first? Up for us against the canonized to fight against them. And the Lord said, Judah shall go first. Indeed, I have delivered the land into his hand. Look at where God comes from. You shall fight, but I have given the land into your hands. Okay, what is God is talking about? God is saying that the Lion of Judah has already won the victory. He's already won the war. But you have to fight your battles. So never forget, you're not fighting for victory. You're fighting from assured, guaranteed victory. There's a first thing we need to understand, that if you understand the principle of God, obey the principle of God, rely on the Holy Spirit, listen and fight, every battle be a fight. I'm talking about spiritual battle, not fighting with people. Fighting with people you may lose. But spiritual battle, we are guaranteed victory. Guaranteed victory. Because the enemy is already defeated colossians 2 verse 15 if you look at the past having disarmed principalities and powers he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in it on what in the cross he triumphed over them in the cross we also triumph over them in the cross that is why we have to die to the self life to win our battles you cannot canonize you cannot fight the canonite with the canonite spirit you cannot overcome the world with a strong self-life. They are made for each other. They are twins. So the Canaanite inside have to die before you can fight the Canaanite outside. So understand the principle. He has already defeated. He's talking about the past. The past, it's over. The devil has been defeated. Present, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 <coughs> verse 14. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Okay. Now this is not talking about the past. It's talking about the present. Go up. I have delivered it to you. God has already given us victory. It's done. It's a done deal. Why? Jesus won on the cross. But what about today? The 2nd of Feb for us. What about today? He says, he leads us always in triumph, in every place. It doesn't matter which place you are in. Your location does not matter. You will say, oh no, I am only victorious in my prayer closet. God said, no. In the church, no. What about the world? The men of God were victorious in the world. Joseph was victorious in the world. Daniel was victorious in Babylon. Paul was victorious in the Philippi prison. He says, your location does not matter. Because if you understand the fundamental principle, the war is over, you, you, you will win your battles. You will win every battle. It's not some battles, all battles, because it says he leads us always. These are the fundamental facts, truths to be established in our minds. Because if you doubt this, then you will think certain battles are okay to be lost, because there is no guarantee 100%. We are talking about spiritual battles. And spiritual battles, God is promising us 100% guarantee. What Moses could not do. What Joshua could not do. What Caleb could not do. Another generation asking shall we go up and fight? God says go. I'll give you victory. Otherwise what will people think? All the old great leaders they couldn't win over these situations. How am I going to win? God says nothing like that. Moses couldn't enter the promised land. Joshua couldn't win over all the Canaanites. But you can. You can. Okay. Faith, Hebrews 11 and verse 1. Hebrews 11, verse 1, verse 1. 11, 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What is faith? The substance of things hoped for. What are you hoping for? Victory. What is faith? It is the evidence of things not seen. Meaning, you cannot see it, but there is an evidence. You cannot see it, but there is an evidence. So who shall go up first? Judah shall go up first. What is Judah? Praise. Okay? It is the evidence of things not seen. So what is God saying? In your spiritual battles, what do you do first? You praise. But how can I praise I haven't won yet? You praise. Because that is the evidence of the victory you are going to have. That's why every church service, every service begins with praise. But that is not the way in the world. The world, after the battle is over, you praise. In the kingdom of God, you don't praise after the battle. You praise there also, at the end also. But even if you don't end with praise, you just give benediction and send them home because there is no time. But you always praise in the beginning. Why do you praise in the beginning? Because it is the evidence of things not seen. Why? God has already said, you are victorious. Who shall go first? Judah shall go first. You know why people are not able to worship in the beginning? When they come to church or when a service begins or in the morning when they wake up, they are not able to praise. And they don't see victory through that day. Because is a battle of faith. It's a battle of faith. This is not a battle of sight. This is not a battle of intellect. This is not a battle of strength. This is not a battle of power. This is a battle of faith. I have fought the good fight of faith. And when you're fighting the good fight of faith, who goes first? This is not the first son. This is not the second son. This is not the third son. This is the fourth son. He has 12 sons. This is the fourth one, Judah. And Jesus came through Judah. He is the Lion of Judah. And Judah means praise. So what goes first in the believer's life? How does he begin his day? How does he begin his service? How does he begin his office? Think about it. You go enter into your office, put your head down, you pray, you praise God and say, Lord, I start the day. You start the day believing in victory. Because faith has evidence. Faith always has evidence. What is the evidence of faith? It's praise. If you don't praise, you're walking by sight. If you begin a day and not with praise, you are not expecting victory that day. This is not a battle of sight. You see, believers are living the battle of sight. They're expecting to fight this day and win. And when I win, I'm gonna say hallelujah. God says, Go ahead. If that's the way you want it, do it. Who shall go first? Judah shall go. But why should Judah go first? Because Judah means praise. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Victory. God says, I have already delivered to you. Really? Then what should I do? Praise. What should I do? Praise. Praise is the absolute correct Response to the victory which God has already given us in Christ Jesus. For Christ Jesus takes us in triumph every day, every place, always in every place. He takes us in triumph. What is our response? Our response is praise. Praise, not pity. Praise, not fear. Praise, not doubt. Praise, not discouragement. Right? That's why praise goes first. Praise does not look at the weather. Whether it is sunny or cloudy or raining or stormy. It doesn't look at that. Because if God has said you have victory, then the climate does not matter. The environment does not matter. Praise does not know how to surrender. Okay, does not know how to surrender. That's why in the uh, prison in Philippi at the midnight hour, it is praise that is rising. But there is no surrender in this battle. because There is no defeat. Mm-hmm. Only defeated people surrender. But victorious people never surrender. And how do you know you are victorious before you are victorious? What is a sign? Faith is evidence of things not seen. You praise. The question is, how can you praise when you are stripped naked? You have been beaten, flogged with rods. Your back is all probably bruised and bleeding and aching. Your legs are stuck in stocks. Your hands are probably chained. And you are thrown into a dungeon. Are you victorious? Yes. What's the sign? They are praising. They are singing hymns. They are singing. See, faith is the evidence of things not seen. Things not seen. Judah shall go up first. If you look at verse 4. What does the Bible say? Judges 1 and verse 4. The Bible says, Judah went up and the Lord delivered. God always delivers. He always delivers on his promise if you obey. He always delivers on his promise. Who shall I go first? God says, I have delivered them into your hands. Let Judah go first. The Bible says, Judah went up and the Lord delivered the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hands and they killed 10,000 men at Bisek. Okay, that we leave aside. It's irrelevant in this, because that's a physical battle. We are talking about spiritual battle. Judah goes up, praise goes up, we say praise goes up, blessings come down. (laughs) We actually say prayers go up. We don't realize it's it's, praise is above prayer. Mm -hmm. Praise is above prayer. Okay, praise goes up, Victory comes down. Prayer goes up, blessings come down. Praise goes up, victory comes down. Judah went up and the Lord delivered. And this has to be, we have to practice certain things. It's like we look at Peter and the others who play the keyboard and say, I wish, but you know, practice, practice. Now if you blindfold him, not at the gym, but on the keyboard, blindfolded, Okay. Uh, he can he can play with yeah, he can play with his eyes closed. Okay. Meaning it has become part of his nature. So praise is first practice. You practice it. You practice it. You practice. You get up, you practice it. One day is bad. You practice it. Nothing changed. Second day is bad. You practiced it. Nothing changed. Third day, you practice it. After time it becomes part of you. And one day you will realize, you know. The day went through in victory. Okay? Went through in victory. It's not the first day I practiced, I praised and everything turned hungry. Actually, it becomes worse. Because, you know, it has to become part of your new nature, the stronghold. It's a divine, godly stronghold of praise is established. A godly stronghold of Prayer is established. These are strongholds that are established so that in the, you, oh, you don't have to panic. Oh, is coming near me. He's probably going to ask me to pray. No, it's just like breathing. This is a stronghold established and automatically comes. Praise comes automatically. Praise comes, prayer comes automatically. People panic about the things of God, yet they are very confident about the things of the world. You know, these are divine, godly strongholds. And we have to establish this, you know, this has fundamental things, <coughs> which when I talk to young parents, I tell them, no, wish we had all learned this earlier. But when your are little children, when they are growing up, no, they mess their toys up everywhere and we have to tell them, put it away. You know how they're putting it away? Two things, they will put it and say it is finished. <laughs> Uh but you have to sit with them and help them and you have to be very careful don't take the whole load because if they know you take the whole load they will sit there and watch you clearing up okay but slowly you have to do it every day with them you know what you are building you are building in them a stronghold called patience and that's built when you are small you know what they will carry it with them all their life in big tasks God asked them to do they will wait in patience and do it A lot of people do not have patience in so many things in life because these things are built when they are young. And in little things, we'll say, what's the point? I can do it faster. That's not the point. You're not helping them. You're not helping them. They need to have that patience to do it. Sometimes we are impatient. So you know what we do? We do it for them. It's not them. The problem is us. We want to finish it up and quickly go. So we'll say, okay, okay, come on. I'll put it on You know what? In the process, they never learn what is called patience. What is patience? That's why all God's great men in the Bible were shepherds. You know why? The sheep are the most helpless creatures on planet Earth. They can do nothing by themselves. You need to be a shepherd. You need to have loads and loads and loads of patience. So God took out his best men, the cream de la cream of his faith book, Starting with Abel, down to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the sons of Jacob, to Moses, to David, all he made them shepherds. You don't need patience with the donkey. The donkey has no patience. You also have no patience. You are made for each other. That is all. He had no patience because he was a donkey keeper. Okay. We need to understand these are strongholds. When you are talking about going up, where are we going? What are we fighting? What am I fighting? I'm fighting this thing called impatience in my mind. Because today is the day of everything is instant. Instant noodles, instant coffee, instant, instant, instant. You really want to cook? It takes time. You want to cook healthy? It takes even more time. You want to shop healthy? It takes time. But it's easy. Buy it, nuke it, eat it, and die fast. (laughs) (laughs) That's why they call it in America. Nuke it and die fast. Everything is fast. You will die also fast. Don't worry. Hmm? Strongholds, 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 strongholds. Judah went up and God delivered. And what do we do? Praise goes up and God gives the victory. It's a victory of faith. It has to be established in our mind. Acts chapter 16, 22 to 26. You think it just happened then, overnight? This is their life. Multitude rose up together. It's my favorite lines in the entire book of Acts. Then the multitudes rose up together against them. And the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. Every time I read it, I find new things. First thing, new things I have discovered is that the multitude rose up together. There's such unity in oppression. When you want to oppress or prosecute, persecute somebody, you are like the Democrats and the media. They come together like one block. And the magistrates are so impatient, they don't wait for the servant, they tear their clothes off. Have you ever seen a magistrate tearing a convict's clothes off? The magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. Okay, look at the crowd. When they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into the prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Thinking in Hindi, keep them, don't let them escape. Tomorrow also you'll give them nicely. Having received a charge, he put them into the inner prison. He took them to this all God ordained, okay? God is working it out. They are not in the outer prison, they are right in the middle of the prison. And fasten their feet in the stocks. So everywhere you have to understand the sovereignty of God in the lives of His children who are surrendered to God. Because if your legs are in stocks, you can't lie down. You can't sleep. It's fastened. So, two guys are sitting in the middle of the night while everybody is lying down. And what do they do? At the midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns. It is a natural response. It is not their situation. This is what they always do. Singing hymns to the Lord. Praise is coming. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. Okay. It's the evidence of things not seen. Are you victorious, Paul and Silas, in this situation? Of course. How do you know? Don't you hear us? (laughs) Don't you hear us? And what does the Bible say? The prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was an earthquake. So when they acted on the unseen, genuinely from their heart, from their spirit, they operated in the unseen, the seen mode. We want the seen to be moved without the unseen operating. We are not able to move in the unseen realm, that is the realm of faith. Therefore, the seen realm never changes. Our seed realm is stuck like concrete because it does not move because we are not able to share. I said, if you don't win the battle up, nothing is going to change over here. Let Judah go. I have delivered. Judah went and God delivered. Praise went up and the chains came off. Because faith is the evidence of things that is not seen. Faith has evidence. That's why I said faith has works. If you believe in your victory, your day begins in praise. Great. And you—you and you can always choose. Okay, you, we all have a time limitation, though we have, like I said yesterday, we have all these gadgets, but that doesn't change time. We seems to have, like, like you know, um, when I go after I finish my morning devotions, by around five in the morning, when I go up to the terrace to fill the water, I do fifteen minutes of intense workout. Because I don't want to spend one hour in the gym. (laughs) I don't have that kind of time anymore. So you what, you know, 15 minutes intense. Think about 15 minutes intense praise. You know, they said 15, they, they have some other name today for that. No, that's pilots or something. Or some this thing, intensity workouts and all are there, no? Think about praise that way. 50 minutes in the Spirit, non-stop praying in the tongue. You're worshipping. You're saying, you know, I'm not even bringing my understanding into it. I'm just surrendering my whole being into your hands. Spirit of God, just let me worship. Begin this day in praise and believing for victory through this day. You know, when you worship in the Spirit, you're both praising and praying. You don't know. (laughs) You don't know. You're just surrendering your whole being in the Spirit of God and saying, you know, Lord, I'm doing an intense spiritual workout. Work out, okay, and you know what you need to believe the chains will come off, the bondages will come off, the strongholds will be demolished. I will go through one day at a time. we are not called to do two days at a time. We are only called to do one day at a time so, um, matthew six thirty four thirty three thirty four thirty three we all know thirty four we forget. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Don't leave tomorrow today. You will neither to leave today or tomorrow. Both are gone. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own thing. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. God is not talking about not planning and praying for your future. He's not talking about that. He's talking about worry. Worry. Okay each day one day at a time one day at a time you praise your way through you pray your way through and judah shall go first and god will deliver go back to judges one yes and the lord said judah shall go up indeed i have delivered the land into his hand and verse three judah said to simeon his brother Come with me to my allotted territory, that we may fight against the Canaanites. And I will likewise go with you to your allotted territory. And Simeon went with him. Now there is Reuben. There is Simeon. There is Levi. There is Judah. And then there are another eight more. So there are twelve brothers. But Judah went to Simeon and said, will you come with me? He didn't go to Reuben and say, will you come with me? He didn't go to the priest called Levi and said, Will you come with me? He didn't go to Joseph, the exalted one and come, or the hidden one, Benjamin. He went to Simeon. Why? What does Simeon mean? Simeon means hearing. Praise and hearing go together. When you hear, you praise. When you praise, you hear more. If you go back to verse one, it all began with hearing. Who shall be the first to go up against the Canaanites to fight against them? The Lord said. The Lord said. The Lord said. Because everything begins with hearing. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. So you heard, praise began, and then they, you go back to what? You need to hear continuously. So what do you say? He went to Simeon and said, so that's how we, we learn Fundamental principles of these battles from the Old Testament first goes praise, and along with it comes faith or hearing because out of hearing will come faith comes from Romans ten seventeen faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. this has to be there, okay then faith comes from hearing for hearing you can put that simeon <laughs> faith comes from Simeon and Simeon by the word of God, okay who are going together? Praise and hearing are going together to battles. You getting the picture? Or praise and faith are going together, hand in hand. You can have praise without faith. You can have faith without praise. God says that is not the way. I want them to go hand in hand. Faith and praise. Praise and faith. Hearing and praise together. Right? Because what happens is often In our praise or our prayer, there is no hearing. There is no hearing. Let me ask you this question. Early this morning, if I did not hear that today's message was from Judges chapter 1, verse 1, 2, and 3, I could have praised, but I did not hear. And because I did not hear, I had nothing to give. Nothing to give early in the morning, around 3, 3 3.30, I got Judges 1, verse 1, 2, 3, 3 verses. It's today. Okay. It's as simple as that. Is there praise? Yes. But is there hearing? We need continuous hearing, one day at a time. No? One day at a time. And we hear one day at a time. You know what happens? That sustains us. What did Judah say? Judah says, went to Simeon. Yes, we heard in the beginning. That is why we go praising. But that's not enough. Our hearing has to be continuous so that faith keeps on growing. And as faith keeps on growing, praise gets louder. Louder, I mean, I, I am not saying in the terms of volume. I am saying in the terms of spirit. It gets louder and louder and louder. There's a spiritual loudness. It's a spiritual loudness. There's a physical loudness. But the spiritual loudness—it is when that spiritual loudness comes, the earth shakes, foundations are shaken. Okay, the founder. That's why God said, <coughs> "Told Jehoshaphat, don't worry. The battle is not yours. The battle is mine. I'll take care of it. If you believe, what will you do?" Jehoshaphat said, "Appointed." Also, let us praise. People do not know that was a key. The enemy is like multitudes, like sea, sand on the seashore. And Jehovah's was saying, God has said through his prophet, victory is here. You know what we are going to do? We are going to praise. We are going to praise. And the Bible says when they were praising, the Lord set ambushes. Lord said, set, set ambushes. Okay. Praise and hearing, hearing and praise. The more you hear, the more you will praise. The more you praise, the more you will hear. Let them go together. Go up, destroy, dry out the Canaanites who have dwelt in our minds too long. Too long. Okay. Should I continue or shall we pray? (laughs) That's my wife because you know I will call her to pray. Hmm? The issue is hearing. Issues hearing. Sometimes we don't hear. Go back to Judges chapter 1. And verse 1. Sometimes we do not hear. Because we are asked the wrong question. So what we don't hear. You know what they said? Who shall be first to go up for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? You look at the question. There's no question of not fighting. The question is, who shall fight? There's no question of not not praising. Who shall praise? It's a question of not praying. Who shall pray? It's not a question of who shall preach. Whether we should preach, who shall preach? There's no doubt about these things. No doubt about these things. Okay? No. Sometimes we never hear from God. Lord, should I pray? Heaven is silent. Should I praise today? I don't feel like, should I praise? I don't feel like, should I listen to a word today? No answer. Because we ask the wrong questions. We ask the questions. Okay. We have to ask the right questions. If we ask the right questions, then God will give you, he will speak to you. No? So look at how they begin. It's a young generation without leadership. Primarily without a strong spiritual leadership. They have a good foundation, but they don't have leadership. Yet they are ready to fight. They are ready to fight and they ask the right questions. They ask the right questions. You know? David never asks, Lord, can you just give me chutti from this battle? He would say, should I fight? How should I fight? God gave this way, this way, this way, this way, no. In our battle against sin, that's Hebrews 12 and verse 4. Now this is not a question we should ask. We have not yet resisted to bloodshed striving against sin. Lord, should I fight lust? No. <laughs> should I fight my anger? You better fight it. You don't have to ask these questions. You wake up and you ask this question, Lord, who do I fight today? Okay. I don't want to fight the wrong one. You tell me today who is the one I should battle with today. Today, because you know the battle that is coming. You know all the enemies who's going to come after my flesh. So you know what should I deal with today. Today, he will say deal with patience because they're going to test your patience today. Okay. Thank you, Lord. And then you come through the day and people are wondering, how come I tried everything to provoke him? He's not even because you were prepared. You asked the Lord. Who should go? Okay, you have identified. You have identified. Okay, we need to re- and he says, in your battle against sin, you haven't even striven. You haven't come to the point of shedding blood, meaning when he comes, it is a no option. <laughs> should I fight sin or not? God said, you better fight or die. Hmm? So the environment does not matter. It's a hard place, but the environment does not matter for Samuel. Chapter 3, verse 1, Pastor Vijay preached about it. <coughs> now the boy, Samuel, ministered to the Lord before Eli or Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days and there was no widespread revelation. You can divide that generation into three. The high priest is equal to careless. High priest sons is equal to callous. And the people are rebellious. In the middle of it is, is a boy. So God says, don't make excuses looking at your environment. The people are rebellious. The priesthood is callous. The high priestess is careless. Everything is like that, Lord. But in the middle of it, there is a little boy. Rama, this has got to do with hearing. And he hears. So environment is not an excuse you may have a household which is full of conflict. That was Joseph's household, full of conflict. Ten brothers with the gundas, modern old-day gundas they are. Jacob had, Father Abraham had many children, Jacob had ten gundas. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the eleventh fellow, bullied by ten elder brothers. But he heard. He had And no mother? Three stepmothers, not one or two. No mother, 3 stepmothers, Ten gundas as brothers. And the middle of the boy is hearing. So God says, don't make excuses. Don't make excuses. Okay. If you come to, and the word says the Lord, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. The word of the Lord is very rare in those days. And there is no revelation also. Still the boy heard. You don't take in your mind that not hearing the word of God is the norm. You will, st- in that norm also, you still believe hearing word, the, the voice of the Lord is the norm. That is the norm. There is, the word of the Lord is rare. There's no revelation. You agree with the status quo, you know, you go back to the word of God and says, even when it is rare, the norm is that God speaks. The norm is that God wants to give you revelation. I will not. I will flow against the tide of the world. There's a blind priesthood. There's a callous priesthood. There's a rebellious nation. But the order is this. God speaks. The word of the Lord was rare. Why? Because nobody is interested. But if somebody is interested, it won't be rare. It won't be rare. God will speak to that person. And that's what happens. In verse 2, the Bible says, Right? It came to pass at that time while well, Eli was Ali or Eli was lying down in his place. Where is he? He's lying down in his place, usual place. He's gone back to his usual place, comfort, nice old bed, with a nice thick mattress, soft pillows, and his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. But where was the boy? before the Lamb of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was and while Samuel was lying down. Okay, where did he go? And I went to his usual place. Samuel went to an unusual place. Okay. See, when you are careless, when you are callous, and when you are rebellious, the last place you want to be is near the ark. The last place you want to be is near the ark. But when you are hungry for God, the last place you don't want to be from is from the ark. And it's very close to the ark, the little boy. So we have to look and say, you know what? In the midst of this mayhem and this noise and this carelessness, I need to find a place where I am close to you. I need to find a place where I am close to you and I will rest there. Eli went to his usual place. Samuel went to a place which was very close. Where was he? He was near the ark. Turn with me to first Kings chapter 17, verse 4. I don't know how to title this message. I had two titles for this message and I liked both. One Judah shall go up first and the second thing is this it will be that you shall drink from the brook I have commanded the ravens to feed you there I like that title there's a place called there the place called there where God will feed you a place called there where God will feed you it's a place called there we have to find that place and be there That's where he feeds you. A place called there. Genesis 22, verse 2. Genesis 35, verse 1. He said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah, offer him there. A place called there, where my offering is accepted. A place called there, where I will be fed. 35, verse 1. And God said to Jacob, Arise, go to Bethel and dwell there, a place where I am called to dwell. And each one of us have to find that place, a place called there. And that's where God speaks. That's where he feeds. That's where he called us to offer our sacrifices. That's where he calls us to dwell. And he speaks. And a little boy, in the midst of this callousness, carelessness and rebelliousness, Is in a place called there, and he has never heard from the Lord. Never heard from the Lord. And God speaks to him. When you hear him, be sure you will be there. Or when you are there, be sure you will hear from him. Because isolation and separation are very difficult for people who are used to being very active. very difficult. Some of the people to whom I'm speaking to now, if they are able to connect and listening, were incredibly active all their life. And now they are not able to do anything. You know what? God is moving them into a place called there, where I can speak to you that I can speak to you. That's why Moses was taken into the wilderness. That's why Jacob was taken into the wilderness. That's why Elijah was taken into the wilderness. And you know what? Why all these men were taken into all these places? Because all these people, James chapter 5, verse 18, 17, 17, 17, 17. Elijah was a man, shall we go to KJV? I like KJV in this translation. Okay. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. Okay. Second Timothy chapter two words, uh, first Timothy chapter two words eight. Like passions, meaning Elijah was a man just like us. What are men like? Like this. I therefore that meaning Elijah was a man with same passions like us and he prayed. Therefore men pray everywhere lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Meaning, what is the like passions of every man, he is prone to short temper and doubting. Women believe faster than men. Sarah didn't buckle in faith. It's Abraham who went went to Egypt. Even when she was taken into the Pharaoh's harem, she believed God would take her out and he brought her out. That's why she did not doubt. He doubted. So you need to realize all these men had an issue. One was with unbelief, the second was with anger. And anger is a major issue with men. Now of course the so women. But men have an issue with anger. So Elijah was a man with anger. <sighs> okay. So was Moses. All of them had short temper. The problem is this James chapter 1, 19 to 20. I'm talking about this connected with hearing. James chapter 1, 19 and 20. Wherefore, my brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Focus is now on wrath. For the wrath of man works not the righteousness of God. Now let us go further. First Corinthians 6, 17. It's all connected, see it in the context of hearing, okay? 6. 16. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Okay? Now Proverbs 22, 24. 22, 24. Make no friendship with an angry man and a furious man do not go. My question is the one who is joined with God is one spirit. Is God an angry man? No. Will his spirit join with an angry man? No, so he had to teach all these people to deal with their timber and take them in the wilderness, make them patient men so they could hear from God. Otherwise they cannot hear from God. Moses was an angry man at 40. At 80 he could hear clearly from God. Elijah could clearly hear from God. David could hear, clearly hear from God. All these men had to be taken through this process because they were doubting Thomas's and angry men. When God had finished with them, they heard clearly because they became one spirit with God. And what does Elijah say? The God before whom I stand. How can you stand if you are an angry man? Before a meek and a humble and a lowly God? You cannot. You cannot. Okay? So we want praise, we want hearing. We want hearing and hear clearer and clearer and clearer and praise louder and louder and louder. Then God says, know this, I stick to my word. Therefore, Judah and Simeon shall go together. Praise and hearing shall go together. And there is a place called there. There's a place called there. So this morning we'll go to a place called there. We will praise. We will pray. You know, I know people ask for prayers and we, our, our duty is to uphold the church in prayer. And even Paul asks for prayer from everywhere. But if you ask for, look at Paul's prayers, his prayers are always that one, I should have boldness to continue preaching. Second, God should open doors. Other than that, He he hardly asks for anything else. And we have to come to that point. Where our entire prayer focus is, Lord, this gospel keeps going forward. Because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And 99% of our prayer requests will just go away the minute you hear You're getting it if you want to be a very very effective person in the kingdom of god the simple thing is that you need to hear you need to hear okay but to hear clearly you step out by faith and start praising god about the battles you are fighting because god is for you and god wants you to win it's not against in your battle against sin God wants victory. But that's his great joy. In his battle against the devil, God wants you to win. He's already said you are a winner. The only thing is whether you believe or not. In your battle against the world, he says you are an overcome. So God says, you know what? Praise me. Judah shall go forth. And you know, you know, Lord, I want to hear. I don't want to go alone. I want to take Simeon with me. I want to Simeon with me. And Suddenly you realize in the 12 sons of Uh, of Jacob. Two sons are going together, basically, spiritually. Praise and hearing are going together, or praise and faith are going together. You know, that's what happens in the prison at Philippi. There is faith. Our outward situation, we are in chains, legs are in stock, we have been whipped, we are bleeding, but you know what? Victory is guaranteed. Victory is guaranteed, because the war is over. What is my response to his word? We shall praise. And they sing. And the others listen. And there is a shaking of the foundation. So when we see things looking darker and bleaker, what do we do? We sing. We praise. We praise. We say, Lord, I want to hear even more clearly. We are not even looking at prophetic voices. Because prophetic voices, one word about prophetic voices, I'm not saying they are wrong. <laughs> okay uh, that is uh, we see in yeah yeah that's in Corinthians 13 uh, 13 right we see in part and we see I think 12, I think, uh, no no not that. yeah yeah uh, 13 and uh, Verse uh, 8 and 9. 1 Corinthians 13, 8 and 9. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will fail. Where there are tongues, they will cease. Where there is knowledge, it will vanish away. We know in part and we prophesy in part. Okay, Unlike the prophets of old. Today, there are hardly prophets there. We have people with the gift of prophecy. So when a man the a woman with the gift of prophecy prophesies, they can only prophesy by part. My part. They cannot fully say, this is what is going to happen, because they see only in part. And the hearer is interpreted in part. So you only have one quarter. Okay. But when you hear, it's different. You're not receiving from somebody else. The Lord has spoken. Lord has spoken. Everything that God has spoken to me in my life has come to pass. But everything that I Thought people were prophesying over me have not come to pass fully. And then later you realize, okay, this is how it meant. New covenant, you have to be very, very careful because new covenant God will not allow somebody to speak to you all the time because that is not the norm. The norm is that every man, every woman should hear because every man, every woman in the kingdom of God is a child of God. The father speaks to them. He may speak differently, but he speaks to them. You know? so, so what happens is we have to hear. We have to praise. We have to hear. We have to praise. Shall we pray?